Miller is going to be coming and sharing the word with us this morning. And I don't know about you, but I've been really looking forward to this. I told my wife the other day, I said, I, I just have it in my head that that joker can preach. And he's just, he's sandbagging on me. So um, I'm looking forward to having Brother Larry Miller come and share. He's going to share the word with us today. And then he's going to follow up and finish his word tonight with us. And it's not very often that I, I'm, a, I'm young and I'm zealous and I like to preach the word of God. It's not very often that I would give away both Sunday morning and Sunday night. But I feel the unction of the Lord that Brother Larry Miller has a word from us, uh, for us from the, from the Lord. And uh, you, you all don't know this. Many of you don't know this. But I meet with him and I get advice from him. And he has a plethora of experience. I'll let him explain a lot of the things maybe if he's got time that he has done and his ministry has seen. He's been from California to New Jersey or New Hampshire. Is it New Hampshire? Yeah, it's a new something. Uh, new England. He's been from California to New England and he's been doing ministry and uh, it, it, it's amazing. He's he's church planted and, and grown churches and uh, served in, uh, in official capacities as state overseer and uh, state evangelist and so many other things i could i could sit up here and probably go on for for hours based on his credentials i think he has a doctorate and phd and so just he's he's done some stuff but i'm gonna let him come up and share the word of god with us this morning Uh, why don't you help me make him feel welcome as he comes today and gives us the word of god for the hour amen God is good, isn't he? How many love the Lord this morning? Then put your hands together and give God a good clap offering. Amen. Uh, I know you got a clock on the back wall, but I have a better clock. It's called my wife. And, uh, and what happens, uh, you know, uh, we were in a church one time, and I was getting ready to speak, and, and uh, she happened to throw me a kiss. And uh, everybody watched her when she did it, and they said, wow. That's awesome. And so after service, uh, some of the older people come up to me, and they said, you know, your wife is so sweet. And now that's sandbagging. And uh, I said, what are you talking about? They said, well, we noticed that, that when you were preaching, she just happened in the middle of it to throw you a kiss. I said, don't let that fool you. I said, when Naomi throws me a kiss, it means keep it short, stupid. So uh, if, you, if you see her throwing me a kiss this morning, uh, She'll do one other thing. She'll go beyond that. And if she puts her finger to her throat, that means uh, I got short life to live. And I do park my car, and I do speak a little bit different sometimes. I want to speak on a subject this morning that God works on the left hand. I'm probably not going to define the left hand until later tonight, but I'm going to get into some scenarios prior to that. Let's stand and let's just open with a word of prayer. Uh, before we get into the word father we just praise you and we thank you that we have the opportunity to minister your word we ask for the anointing power lord god today that you anoint my mind you'll anoint my heart you'll anoint my lips and you anoint the ears to them to receive the word of the lord we give you praise for all that you are doing in this church god and we declare that you're going to do even greater things lord god We pray for a harvest, Lord God, of souls, Lord God. Not just transfer growth, but God, new conversion growth that would enter into this door, Lord God, and it would feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And by the anointing, it would break every yoke of every sin that comes upon their life, Lord God, and they would find a place at an altar of salvation. 
and render their heart to you, Lord God. We give you praise for what you are doing in Christ's name. Amen and amen. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Job, the 23rd chapter. And let's just look at what the word of the Lord has to say in the first at least nine verses here. Then Job answered and said, Even today my complaint is bitter, my stoke is heavier than my groaning. Oh, that I may know where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. I would order my case before him and fill my mouth with argument. I would know the words that he would answer me and understand what he would say unto me. Will he plead against me with his great power? No, but he would, he would put strength in me. There the, the righteous might dispute with him, so should I be delivered forever from my judge. Behold, I go forward, but he's not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, he does work, but I cannot behold him. He hides himself on the right hand, and I cannot see him. But he knows the ways that I take, and when he has tried me, I will come forth as gold. You may be seated. Let me just break this down, and I want you to use the term that is taken out of the ninth verse, and I want you to say this to your neighbor, God works on the left hand. Say that for a moment. There is only one scripture in the Bible that declares that God even works on the left hand. And you do not find it any other place but in the book of Job. And there's a reason why the book of Job declares that God works on the left hand. Most of the time when you talk about the hands of God, you always talk about the right hand of God. You'll find statement after statement after statement that God is on the right hand, that, that Jesus is on the right hand, the right hand of power, the right hand of authority. But you never hear the word left hand. And there's a reason why God began to speak to me about the left hand, and I'll share that with you in just a moment. But I want you to repeat these words after I make a statement that God works on the left hand. When you do and you find yourself in a problem and your children are going off in their own direction, doing what they want to do, I want you to say, but God, come on, but God is working on the left hand. When your marriage seems to be falling apart and you don't know what to do and you find yourself in a hopeless situation, but God is working on the left hand. And you, when you find problems at work and you feel like quitting the time, you know that God is working on the left hand. Come on, amen. And let me go on some more. When you find yourself going to a funeral and you lost someone, you feel the disappointment of losing somebody, but God is still working on the left hand. I remember back probably about five years ago, we had done uh, our, our ministry and I retired. And, and all of a sudden, uh, on the moment of our retirement, Naomi had a heart attack. And I didn't understand what was going on at the time. But anyway, she had a heart attack. And when she had a heart attack, she went to the hospital. But let me tell you, God works on the left hand. Say that with me. God works on the left hand. And so when she went to the hospital, she was supposed to go for a simple procedure. They were just supposed to either put a calf in or do whatever they were going to do. But anyway, in the hospital, they found her dead in the floor. And she had fallen in the bathroom when she went. She wasn't even supposed to get up. But she was found dead and she broke her neck when she fell. And they hit her five times with a paddle. 
the reason I'm saying this, sometimes we preach about Job. We really don't understand what Job went through. We can talk about the scenario of Job and say, oh, Job sure went through some suffering. He lost everything that he had. He lost his family. He lost his wealth. He lost everything. But we don't understand until all of a sudden you find yourself in a situation where you lose everything that you have. You have nothing more to go back to. There's no resources to call upon except God. You see, Job found himself in that situation. And I found myself going through the same situation when she was going through what she was going through. I remember that when they came to me and I entered into the hospital and they said, we got some bad news for you. And I said, well, what's the bad news? They said, your wife is dead. They didn't finish there. They, they went on some more. But the first thing, my heart dropped when they said that. And I said, what happened? They said, well, she fell in the bathroom. And I said, well, who let her in the bathroom? She has a thing on her arm that says no one is to let her up. And they said, well, she had to go to the restroom. Somebody, and then they forgot about her. And finally, when somebody said, where is the woman that came from Cleveland, Tennessee, down to Chattanooga? They said, well... She's in the bathroom, and they found her dead on the floor with a broken neck. But I remember that not even, I'm just going through a portion of that. I said, but God, you brought us 40, I think at that time, 40 years, over 40 years in ministry, and now this is the conclusion. It's just not fair. How can you take somebody that I love how can you just do that now? Can I tell you that Job was feeling the same sorrow that I was feeling? He felt the vacancy of losing his family. He felt the vacancy of losing his wealth, his prestige, everything. In fact, if you looked over into the, the chapter 29, you would find out that Job goes back and he says in the 20th night, Oh, I, I, I wish I could go back and see my family again. I wish I could see the light of God's uh, path uh, upon my path once again. I wish I could. And what he was doing in the 20th, he was trying to remember what it was like to be in the presence of God. Can I tell you? When you're not in the presence of God, you can feel a difference. So all of a sudden, I felt that. And I went in the room and they got her hooked up to all these, whatever you hook up people to, ventilators and everything else. Her head is busted open, front and back of her head. And, and, I, and I'm looking at her and I'm thinking, this is it. And before she even got out, the next thing I found out, they put a, the, the ventilator down it and they ruptured a blood vessel. And I'm in the, in the ER, not the ER, but the whatever you call that. What is it called? ICU type unit. And I'm standing there and I'm watching blood come from every place, her face. And it was bubbling out of her. And I'm saying this for a reason, because sometimes we talk about what it is to lose somebody. And I'm watching this blood just come out of her, usher out of her. She lost eight pints of blood. That's all you got in your body. And she went flatline again. And they're taking her down, and they're going to have to cauterize the blood vessel that was ruptured because of the hose. But a little girl came in. Don't even know her, but I was in a room by myself and came in there and said, I just want to pray for you. And she laid hands and began to pray and she left. And she said, but before I go, I just want you to know that everything's going to be all right. 
I wish somehow somebody would have told, at least one of the three friends would have told Job, guess what? You may be going through whatever you're going through. I don't know what you're feeling. I don't know your sorrow. I don't know your pain. But everything's going to be all right. Look at your neighbor and say, everything's going to be all right. It doesn't matter what storm you're going through. It doesn't matter what situation you're in. It doesn't matter what happens in your life. Everything's going to be all right. Come on, amen. Some of the spect, uh, uh, what do you call them? The, well, the ones that the doubt is, I'll put it that way. The ones that will say, guess what? It won't work out. There's no hope, can I tell you? Until Jesus said it's finished, it's not finished. But anyway, I, after they brought her back, I said, well, uh, I got to go thank that little girl. And I went to look for her, and I went to the nurse's station, and she said, well, describe her. And I started to describe her, and she said, what kind of uniform does she have on? And I described the uniform. They said, we have nobody in the hospital that wears that type of uniform. And we don't have that person there. Can I tell you, right in the middle of your situation, God can dispatch an angel to your rescue just to give you a word of encouragement there's a reason why I'm saying this. Job felt like he was isolated. His best friends that, that should. In fact, I had a word for the best friends. They were called the three stooges, you know. Because when you look at them, they didn't have a good report. They started to accuse him that you must have sin in your life. Just because things are going wrong in your life has nothing to do with sin in your life. Let me say that again. You're going to go through storm. You're going to go through heartache. You're going to go through problems. It has nothing to do with sin in your life. I remember I had gone through a year, Pastor, and I think I shared that with you, of the driest spell that I have ever had in my life. And I would get up every single Sunday in church and I would start to preach. The anointed would come for a short time and leave. This is going on Sunday after Sunday. We had a church of over 600. And I felt like I was a hypocrite. Because every time that I would get up, I wouldn't feel nothing. I would get up. The word's still alive. Come on, amen. But I would get up. And I couldn't understand why am I going through this week after week after week. God, what are you trying to show me? I would pray, and the heavens had turned to brass, and God had turned to death ear. Are you getting the scenario of Job? He felt like God had turned his back on him. It didn't matter what he would say. Every place and every direction he turned, God was no place to be found. And sometimes that happens within our life. How many have ever felt like God's not listening? You prayed, and you prayed, and you prayed, and it seemed like the harder you prayed, the harder it was to get an answer. I was doing that for a total year. Never told my wife, never told my board members, never told any of them what I was going through. But I remember on a Saturday night, I came to this conclusion. I said, tomorrow morning, when I get up to preach, I didn't even tell my wife. I said, I'm resigning. I'm tired of this. I'm not going to go through another Sunday like this. 
And right in the middle of my complaint, did you hear what Job said? Right in the middle of my complaint, God said, do you know how blessed and how honored you are? And I said, God, how can you say blessed and honored when I've gone through a year of not sensing you or even feeling you? And said, God said, because I trusted you. That's the reason why I'm saying this. God will only allow something to come on you because of a trust factor. Come on, amen. When you're going through a storm in your life, it's because God trusts you. When you're going through a battle in your life, it's because God trusts you. Come on, amen. When you're going through a situation in your life, it's only because God trusts you. God only puts on people He trusts. Amen. After that, I realized this one thing. Every time that I would get into a battle or a situation, I would change my upward and outward look. I would say, God, trust me. The only reason why you go through what you go through is because it's a trust factor. Come on, amen. God trusted Job. Come on, amen. Job didn't understand that. Job had a relationship with him. God said he's an upright man. God knows who you are. He knows you by name. He knows your situation. He knows your storm. He knows the, also the outcome of what's going to take place. It's our attitude that changes our altitude. You know, the Bible says we're to praise God in everything. I used to think that was the stupidest thing. I mean, when you're going through some storms in your life, you say, and somebody come up to you and say, praise God, you feel like slapping them. You say, what are you, stupid? Do you know what I'm going through? Do you know my problem? And you always get people say, well, I've been there. No, you haven't. Come on. I, I mean, his three friends could have said, Job, I understand what you're going through. I've been there. Uh, they hadn't been there. They didn't understand one thing that he was going through because they'd never been there. So let me tell you, sometimes we say, we understand what you're going through. No, we don't understand what they're going through. We've never been there before. And until we get into that situation, listen to what Job said. He said, my complaint. He had a right to complain. He had a right to be angry. Remember his wife makes a statement, why don't you just curse God? and die early in the book of Job Job cried out for death he just wanted to die and sometimes when we get in situations in our life we just feel like throwing in the towel I never felt like throwing in the towel just giving up you know you feel like I've gone as far as I can go I may have ever quit you know see people quitting on the kids aren't you glad that God doesn't quit on his kids Sometimes we throw in the towels on our kids because they, they do things. I told my daughter one time, she's not an angel, not, not in, by any sense of the word. And, uh, but I, I told her one time, and her name's Carrie, I said, Carrie, you'll always be daddy's little girl. She's in her 40s. But I said, you'll always be daddy's little girl. I may not agree with what you do, but you'll always be mine. 
Nothing will ever separate that from me. You will always be my little girl. Can I tell you God's... God's saying the same thing. There's nothing that you can do that can separate you from my love. You'll always be my little boy. You'll always be my little girl. I'll never quit on you. I'll never give up on you. I'll never surrender on you. i got a plan for you. And nobody can take that plan from you. Come on, amen. Sometimes we think that again. But can I tell you that... God's in control of everything. Let me tell you, first of all, the left hand is equal to a number. I won't get into that because I want to reveal that more so tonight. But it's number four. Left needs the number four. You'd have to do a background history on it, but it needs number four. There's a lot of numbers that, that represent four, and I'll get into that tonight as well. But the reason why is that Job said God works on the left hand. He could have said, wait a minute, God, I know that you're on the right hand because I've sensed your power before. I've felt your power before. I've walked in your presence before. I felt your anointing before. When I walked in the streets, people knew me, and they talked about me. The young people would look at me, and, and, and their mouths would be locked because of, because of just the presence. Can I tell you? There's something about the presence of God. Come on, Amen. There's something about praise and worship. It brings you into the very presence of God. Remember Psalms 100 says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all your land. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know you not that he is God. And he has created us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pastor. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Into his courts with praise. Be thankful. Isn't that wonderful to know that we are to be thankful? And sometimes we say, How can I be thankful? You know, but we're to thank God in everything, Pastor. It doesn't matter what, what it is. doesn't matter what situation is. It, come on, amen. We're to say thankful. I remember one time I, I, I went down to, you know, I used to be Larry on the altar. I was young, but I used to always go to the altar. And there was always evangelists out there. How many remember some of the evangelists? And they would bring illustrations into the church. Uh, and, and one time somebody brought a poo, uh, a pan in with water, and they said, this is the pool of Bethesda. It really wasn't. It, it was just, they were just, you know, going to illustrate something. And, and they didn't say this, but they said, is there a dummy in the crowd that would want to come down and step into the pool? Hello? Dummy number one. And, 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 but, but my heart was right. Listen to me. And, and I would go down there and, and stomp all over that pan. And water would fly every place. They'd be bringing a rock and they'd be preaching on a rock, standing on the rock. Come on, amen. And so all of a sudden, is there a dummy in there? Hello, you got me once, so here I am again. And I would go down there and stand on the rock. Can I tell you there's a rock and it's not this rock. It's Christ Jesus. I, oh, come on, I, I can stand on the Word and know the Word that whatever situation I'm going through, I can use the Word you talked about, the name of Jesus. One day every knee's going to bow, every tongue's going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There's something about the name. Amen. 
Let me go on just a little bit more. Job's defense. He wanted to bring his argument. This is like a court case. And he was going on the preponderance of the evidence of his past. I mean, know what I'm talking about. He could have said, look it. God, I'm going to stand before you and I'm going to defend myself. Because I think that if I could, I could present a very good case to you. So on my defense, come on, amen. I've been faithful. You could trust in me. I would speak about all the power and all that you've done within everything that I own. It's only because of you. In my defense, God, I've got a lot to speak about. And Job could have probably presented a very good case. But there was one problem with presenting the case. God was no place to be found. Come on. He said, I go forward. I can't find you. I go backwards. I can't find you. I go to my left and my right. There's no place to be found. What good does it do to present my case when you're no place to be found? Have you ever been there? Have you ever prayed and you felt like it doesn't matter what I say? Because God's no place to be found. Let me ask this question. How many of you ever felt like giving up when you can't sense God? Felt like that's it. How many have ever said, that's it? Come on, I have. I'll admit it. It's hard to admit it sometimes, but I said, that's it. I did that when I said, this is the last service. This is it, God. But when you realize that God loves you in such a way. I'm going to start slowing down because I want to save the best for tonight. But when you realize that whatever storm you're going through, God is getting you prepared for something greater. Let me say that again. Whatever storm that you're going through, God is getting you prepared for something greater. It doesn't matter what you're going through. There's a reason why you're going through it. You may say, well, like Job's friends, well, the reason you're going through it is because you got sick. I hate that. There used to be things that, that people say, if you're not going through this is a lie from the devil's pulpit, but I've heard evangelists say it and preachers say it. If you're not going through, that means the devil's got you. You ever heard that one, Pastor? Come on. If you're not going through this and this, that the devil must have you. Can I tell you that Jesus was tried? Come on. In every situation... It had nothing to do with whether the devil had him or not. He went through many, in fact, Psalms 34, 19 says, many are the afflictions, not of the sinner, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God. Come on. Can I say, but God works on the left hand. Come on, Amen. Many are the afflictions, many are the storms, many are the battles, many are the situations, but God, amen. That's the final word. Come on, amen. There's no other words after that, but God. 
Maybe when we're going through something, we all say, but God, but God, I may feel this way, but God, I, I may feel like everything's going against me, but God, I, I know it's only going to last for a season, but God, after that season's over, victory's coming. The battle's over. The storm ceases. Job didn't understand why he would even use the terminology, but God works on the left hand. How many know that God's got two hands? You know, he says, I'm even going to hold you in the hollows of my hands. Both hands. When we're going through a storm or a situation that God's going to hold us right in the hollows of his hands. Let me close with this part, Pastor, because I want to my time part of that I am time conscious <laughs> and I haven't got a sign but I do want to finish tonight because you need to know what the left hand represents because once you know what the left hand represents you'll never allow another battle to overcome you the Bible says greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world we make that remember that song we used to sing We've got the power in the name of Jesus. I mean, some people that, that sing that song, it's like, to them it's like sucking on a 9-volt battery. You know, I, I used to test it. Anybody ever test a 9-volt battery? How do you do it? And, and if you get a little jolt, that means the battery's good, doesn't it? I mean, you wouldn't take some jumper cables and go out to your car and go with both jumper cables and touch your tongues. Because you know there's more power than a 9-volt battery. Come on, amen. You, you wouldn't plug yourself into a, a, a light socket and take the wires and split them and touch it on your tongue because you know it's going to, it'll probably your tongue would drop off. Come on. But you test a 9-volt battery that way. You know the reason why? Because you, you just want to make sure it's got power. Can I tell you there's more power in the name of Jesus at your disposal than any other power? Amen. At the name of Jesus, every devil in hell shakes and trembles at the name of Jesus. Come on, amen. Just say that with me one time, Jesus. Because there's power and authority in that name, and the devil hates the name of Jesus. Stand to your feet this morning. This is what I want to conclude this morning. Some of you are like me. You've gone through a dry spell in your life. And you come to the conclusion like I did after a year. Maybe some, I don't know how long some of you have ever been. How many have ever been through a long storm? I, I mean, just been through a long storm. And you say, when is it over? When is it over? I'm tired of fighting. I'm not seeing any results. But this is the secret to it. God trusts you. You have to understand that. The minute I heard God say, I trust you, I thought, wow, the God of the universe, not just anybody, but the God of the universe, trust me. I mean, you only put on somebody you trust. You only give responsibility to somebody you trust. Isn't that true? You don't give responsibility to somebody that you don't trust because you know that they're going to mess it up. 
And God knows that as well. So when you're going through your storm, you ought to just change the outward look of it. God, trust me. The only reason I'm going through this is because God trusts me. And you'll find this is what I do. Every time I get in a battle now, you know what I do? I start, I start smiling, and I get happy, and I say, God, trust me. I, I don't go, oh, woe is me. Here we go again. It's another battle, another storm. When's it ever going to cease? No, 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 no. I changed my thought pattern. And I started praising God. The minute I find myself in those situations, I say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know what I'm going to learn out of this, but I'm going to learn something. So I'll start to praise and thank God. And you know what happens in the middle of your praise and your worship and thanking God for it? All of a sudden, that problem seems to dissipate. It's not as big as I thought it was. Come on. It's not as big. Maybe my mind exploded it and made it sound like it was big, but it's not that big because your praise all of a sudden diminishes it. It's smaller than what you think it is. But what the devil wants you to do is throw in the towels. He wants to hear a negative report. He wants, to say, wants you to say, I can't make it. I can't do it. I've gone long enough. Nuh-uh. Nuh-uh. This journey's not over with. You've not fought your last fight. You've got more fights to come. You've got more storms to go through. But can I tell you, in every situation that you go through, you will find Jesus right smack dab in the middle of your storm. Right in the middle of it, that's where you find him. Bow your heads for a moment.